Well, what's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having an incredible weekend. It's amazing to be in the movie theater and worship God and focus on Him. I hope that you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. hope that you feel connected with Him. And so the thing that's amazing is here you are right now, and it doesn't matter, like your situation and what's going on, like you are here and God is here with you, and He's got something specific for you. That's what's always encouraging. If this is your first time here, you came on a great week. This is week three of a series that we're doing on the Old Testament prophet Elisha. Powerful, powerful man, incredible life. And so what we've been doing is we've been taking different aspects of his life and the story in scripture and looking at it and breaking it down and applying it to our life. And so in week one, uh, we recognized Elisha's call where he was a farmer and he, he had a plow and so he got called and so he burned his plow. He's like, I'm, that's it, I'm done, I'm out, I'm done with farming, there's no plan B, I'm going for it. And then last week in week two, uh, we talked about the fact that one, the Israeli army was traveling through an area to attack another country and, and the, the, everything was dry, they, they ran out of water, it was seven, seven days without water and the Lord said, it's time to start digging ditches. And so sometimes we do that, there's action before God shows up. And so sometimes God just requires some, something of us to take that step forward. And so this is week three, and I'm absolutely praying that God would speak to you specifically, uh, something for you. If, if you haven't been here the last couple weeks or listened to the podcast, that's okay, because you're here now. And so we're believing that there is a story of ridiculous faith that God has for you. Uh, that he can communicate that to you. So today, though, like it, it's for a specific group of people. It's for those of you that are here and, and you feel a little bit overwhelmed or, or, or you, just, you feel just drained, right? You're just overwhelmed with things and stuff in life and, and you're drained of everything. You don't have anything else to give. You even feel to the point where you're empty. You're low on faith, right? We talk about faith and you're going, gosh, I, I would love just a piece of that. And you just feel low and you feel empty because I know that there's plenty of us that are here and we're dealing with that. And I know over, over the years, like I've met several people that just, we get to this place of just desperation and we just, we don't have enough, right? We, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy, right? We're just spent and it's all done. And so I am absolutely believing that this message, this passage of scripture, that the Holy Spirit will meet you in your place of need right here, right now. Because if we're being totally honest and transparent, it is very common for all of us at some point in time to feel drained, to feel empty. So either you're in it right now and you feel like you're in that valley in that trough, or you, you know, maybe just came out of a season like that, which is great. Or, I mean, we just are aware that sometimes God takes us through those purification times where he wants us to lean in on him. I mean, gosh, we, we, we experience that in multiple, multiple ways I know in just talking with different people at different times, it's, it's like sometimes people experience that, that emptiness or that struggle, that valley in their personal finances, where they're going, I'm working so hard, I'm trying my best, but I'm just in this hole and I can't get out, like, and they're battling with that. Or maybe it's uh, like a single mom. A single mom is going, I'm working a full-time job and I'm working a part-time job and, and I wish I had more time with my kids and I feel like I'm, I'm scratching and crawling and I'm not gaining any ground and like they, they just feel like they can't make it at different times. That's reality. Or maybe you're a teenager, right? And you're going, oh my gosh, it's, it's a battle, it's a struggle. Or maybe you're one of those teenagers where, you know, right now your parents' marriage isn't going great and, and they ended up getting divorced and, and you, you came to this place where you had to pick I mean, what, what emotional strain where you have to pick which one you're going to be with and when. And it just, it's just, it's hard, right? It's difficult and challenging what we all go through. So we feel 
empty at times. And so this passage, this scripture we're going to dive into in 2 Kings chapter 4 uh, is going to be so significant for you. This message is for you. So if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 4, open up. Uh, if you have your Bible app, you can click on that. The verses will be up on the screen. But let's dive into what God has for us in this message. So in verse 1 in chapter 4, it says, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And so when you look at these verses and you break them down a little bit and we kind of engage in the story, you know, it says that, that she's a widow, so we don't necessarily know her name, but there's something interesting in there where it talks about her, her husband and the group of, of prophets. And so biblical scholars believe that this may actually be Obadiah's wife. Based on the time frame and the era and the location, uh, Obadiah was a prophet of the Lord, and he led a number of other prophets, and, and so, but he obviously had passed at this point, and so she didn't have a job, and she's having to make ends meet, and she gets to this place where she's struggling. She's struggling financially on how she's going to buy groceries and pay the bills and all that stuff, right? And so as a woman in this culture and in this era, she is in big trouble. I mean, with not having a husband that can provide, it was really challenging, often impossible for a woman to get a job and to work. And so she couldn't get a job, and she didn't want to take the job that most women wouldn't want to take. And so she's just in this devastating, down, struggling place. And then on top of it, the bill collectors call in, right, coming to the door. And, and, and this time, I mean, literally, they would take your family members as slaves and as part of debt or until the debt was paid. And, and so, gosh, I mean, she's got no hope, like desperate, lost her husband, can't pay the bills, and now might even lose her the rest of her family. And so you can imagine what she's going through. And so when, when we begin to, to look at this in the example in Scripture, what does it mean for us, right? So what do we do when we're facing these little problems, right? These problems that we're experiencing. And so let me just give you a couple of examples of, of some of the things. Like if, if you're one of those people where if you're at a restaurant and like you order a, a, a medium burger and the burger comes to you well done, you just, oh, like you get frustrated, you get upset, you like that's a problem. You're like, what's the deal? Can't you just get this right? All I asked for was medium. And so here's the deal. Like I just got to say to you, that's an entry level problem. Okay, that's really not a big deal, and sometimes we overreact, or, or maybe you, you put a post on Instagram, and you're like, oh, this is the one, like, boom, got this, and, and you put out that post, and, and all of a sudden, you wake up in the next morning, and it's only got seven likes, and you're just devastated. You're going, oh my gosh, like, are you kidding me? Like, and, and then you just, you just take it down. You're like, forget it, I'm just going to take it down. So I got to be honest, like, that's an entry-level problem that we face, and and so sometimes, though, it, we face medium problems, don't we? Uh, sometimes we face issues and problems in our marriage uh, where we're battling and struggling. We feel like we're, we're ships in the night that are crossing. We're not intersecting. We, uh, like the communication just isn't clicking. Like we recognize it. We feel it. And so we, that's, that's something that we've got to talk about and talk through. And uh, it just maybe you're dealing with that or maybe you're dealing with a medium problem in your business. 
right? You're trying to be a, a Christian business owner and honor the Lord and walk in integrity and, and, and to meet payroll and, and you have your employees and your managers and, and you're going, God, what in the world? How are we going to do this? Because you're looking for contracts and opportunities, but it just doesn't seem to be lining up. Or maybe you're a parent or a grandparent and you look at your kids or your grandkids and you're going, we're doing all we can. We raise them in a Christian home and they aren't following you. What's the deal? What's going on? And so those are, those are problems that we face. But if we're honest, I mean, those are still just small problems. And so when we don't have what we want, when things aren't working out the way that we expected, in those times, we have to recognize what we really need is Jesus. Okay, and, and I get, like, if you've been in church for a long time or for, for a few years, like, that seems really elementary, doesn't it? And, and I get that, and I understand, even if you're not a Christian, you're going, man, are you, you're saying, like, Jesus is the answer for that? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so, but if you find yourself angry or frustrated or hurt, I would say it's possible that you haven't learned that yet. Because those are entry-level problems, and it's causing these emotions and responses from us. And so we should be to the point where we recognize that really God is all that we actually need. And so Elisha is speaking to this widow, and he responds to her in verse 2. He says, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked, tell me, what, can, what do you have in the house? And so this widow is, is just, she's like, hey, I have a need, I'm major problems, major issues. She expresses that to Elisha. And, and so the, th the thing that I love is Elisha doesn't just wish her well. Like he doesn't go, oh, good thoughts going up to you right now. Like, no, 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 no. Like he doesn't do that. He, he's all about it. He's like, no, no, I, I want to take steps and I want to get in and I want to be involved and I want to help. And the reason I love this is because I'm this way, just to be honest, I, if, if I come to you and I've got a problem or an issue and, I'm, and I get to this place of vulnerability where I'm going to say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm facing, I'm not just wanting you to pat me on the shoulder and be like, it's okay, Pastor Aaron, like, you'll be all right. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. I want help. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm exposing all my stuff, all my junk, all my things, and I'm like, I need your help. Like, so help me. Like, step in. Like, come into my world. Let's walk this out together. And so I love that, the fact that Elisha wants to help, but he also respects her dignity, right? He doesn't just hand things over to her. He says, hey, what do you have, right? There, there's an aspect of dignity that he recognizes, and I love that. And so, and she responds, you know, with, with nothing, and, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But really, you know, when we're desperate, we only are able to see what we don't have. Like, isn't that so true in our life when we're down, when we're depressed, when we're struggling? We just like, oh, I don't have this or I don't have that. And, and if we're totally honest, we can fill the blank in, right? If maybe you're a single person and you're going, gosh, I, I've been single and I'm looking for a person and, and I just don't have a spouse. Like, like where's he at and, and where's she? And I've been wanting and I just don't have one. Or, or maybe you, you, you're looking for a house. You're going, gosh, I wish I had a nice house. 
Like, I can't host a connection group in my house. It's not nice enough. Like, uh, hey, last time I checked, it really doesn't matter about your house. Like, people want to do life together, and, and so, and that's what we do, and that's how we live. Oh, just, I wish I did, I wish I had a nicer car. Like, and we just kind of fill in the blanks with all these things, or, or maybe you uh, are married, and sometimes you, your wife might say, gosh, I, I just wish I had something to wear, and like, you walk in the closet, and there's hangers of clothes and things and like there's plenty of things to wear but for those of us that are husbands we know that that's not what she means literally like she just means I don't have anything new to wear and so like I I get that I don't have anything to wear and so we've got to recognize that and understand where we're at in our life because when we're down we just we we only are able to see what we don't have Uh, right and so this woman is the same right she's just like us it's the same. She's dealing with this. And so what do we do when we don't have much, right? What, what do, what do we, how do we respond? How do we take this passage of Scripture and apply it to our life? And so I would say, like, we, we need to stop waiting, you know, stop waiting for what we want. And then the first thing that I just want to share with you, just in the points for this message, is we, just, we need to start with what we have. Okay, stop, stop waiting, you know, for what we want and we're hoping and all the blanks we want to fill. Like, we need to start with what we have. Because it, it continues in verse 2. He says, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Well, nothing at all except. Everybody say except. Except. Except a flask of oil is what she replied. And so, right, she's down. She's got nothing, creditors calling, look in the pantry, there's not much there. But I do have a little bit of oil. And so the thing that, that's interesting is oil in and of itself, like you and I, we can find olive oil and purchase it, but during that time era, it was extremely valuable. Not only did they cook with it, but they used it for healing balms. They, they, you know, if they had machinery or things, they would use it for lubrication to prevent rust. I mean, just a lot of different you know, uses for common olive oil. And so it was actually really valuable. And she's like, oh, I do have that. I read a story one time about these people that were on an African safari. Uh, that, you know, they were out in this area and they were hoping to see zebras and lions and giraffes. And, you know, I, I haven't been on an African safari. Maybe you have, but I hope to one day, you know, do that. I just think it'd be really neat. And so the, the way the story unfolds is they actually were driving for a while and they didn't see anything. And so that's kind of a bummer, if we're honest. I mean, you got all this, you're driving on this road, there's dust in your face, you're going, all right, you know, this is worse than the zoo. And, and so you just are kind of, and, and driving. And, and so the way the story unfolds is they kind of came to this point and they, the, the guide saw like a branch in the road with some leaves on it. And, and he goes, oh, get ready. Get ready, you know, be looking. And I don't know how you would respond, but I would be like, it's a branch in the road. I mean, it's really not a big deal. Not only is it just, a, it's an insignificant branch, but the, the way it just, it, it's just in, incredible. Whereas they travel around the bend and they come around this curve, all of a sudden they see this big African bull male elephant standing in the road. And, and it's like, so sometimes we just, we have to recognize the small, the seemingly insignificant. We need to start looking for what we actually have. 
because the God that I know, the God that I serve, he is, he specializes in doing a lot with a little. He just, that's how he works and how he does it. There's so many examples in scripture. You know, one of them, when Jesus was preaching to thousands upon thousands of people, they're, they're on the mountainside, and, and he was preaching for quite a while. It's a, probably a really good sermon, like sermon amazing. There, everybody's bought in, and he's preaching, and, and he goes, hey, everybody's probably hungry. And he tells the disciples, why don't you guys go and buy some lunch? And, and of course, they go, what? Like, are you kidding me? It would take a, an, a full annual years of wages to, to buy all this food for all these people. And they go, we can't do that. And, and so Jesus is like, all right, what do you have? And here you have this little boy, you know, with his stack lunch of, you know, five loaves and a couple of fish. And with, a, with just a little, Jesus is able to feed all those people. It's amazing. And then in, in the Old Testament, just to, to give you an example from there, the whole entire Israeli army is paralyzed in fear because of one single giant. One man named Goliath, the whole army stands and watch. Nobody watches and nobody's willing to go toe-to-toe with him until all of a sudden a, a young teenage boy who's coming really bring, to bring a care package to his brothers who are in the army. And he's like, what's going on? What's the deal? Who is that guy? Are you kidding me? Nobody's going to fight him. I'll do it. He's like, I'll, I'll go out there. And to me, like that, it's sometimes, all the time, like it's, it's just like God can do a lot with a little bit. And so it's amazing. Even in fact, in Matthew 17, verse 20, Jesus told them, he says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And so we're talking about a mustard seed, right? It's very small, seemingly insignificant. And that's the the quantity that Jesus is giving the reference to in the analogy. And so I would say very clearly that God can do a lot with a little. And so as your pastor, if you're one of the ones and you're going, I'm, I'm down, I'm empty, I'm struggling, what do you have? What do you have? Because the limitations of what God can do completely is dependent on us. The limitations of what God can do in our life depends on us. Because for those of us that are following Christ, if I said to you, God can do anything, you would go, yeah, Jesus, to to, to Jesus, nothing is impossible. He's limitless. Yeah, we would respond. So we're the ones that hinder God's power and him moving and providing miraculously and and, and all these amazing things. Because we go, oh, I can't. I can't do that, I won't do that, or no way, are you kidding me? Like, that's for somebody else, that, that's not me. Like, I don't have. And so there's a, a song that, you know, we sing and worship sometimes. It's, uh, it's by Chris Tomlin, and, and it, 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 I'm going to sing it. It's, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any. Uh, thank you so much, like, for a Christian karaoke this morning. That's awesome. But maybe you've... You've heard that song, right? And we get it. We're going, but, and we sing. We sing those words. Do you believe them? Like, not just singing them, but allowing the Lord to saturate us in who we are, to recognize that he absolutely can do that. And so why, in certain times and seasons, does God bring us to this down place or this struggle? Or, and sometimes he even shows us what we don't have. Why does he do that? 
Um, is it so that we can whine? Is it so that we can complain? Is it so that, you know, we can just go, oh, I guess I can't do that, so I'm going to make my goals small enough so that I can achieve them all by myself? Is that why he does that? No way. Absolutely not. I mean, we need to believe for something big, something significant. Oh, but I don't have this, or but, but I can't, or but, but I can't, I won't do that. And, and so I would say, like, get rid of big buts and get big faith. Exactly. That's what you were thinking. Exactly. And so let's reach our cities for Jesus. Okay, and that's not too bold. That's not too daring. That's exactly what we're called to do. Oh, but I'm not outgoing. Like, I'm not an out front type person. And you don't need to be. You don't need to be to show the love of Christ to your coworkers. Right? They're just one cubicle over. Like, it'll be okay. Like, you can reach them and meet them where they're at. Oh, but, but I don't have anything to offer. You can come and serve in the community with me on Saturday, September 13th. We can go and hang out for a little while and serve some people and show the love of Christ and, and wear love out. Because I, I remember Jesus said one time in Luke 22, verse 26, he said, but among you, it's going to be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. And so we're going to have that opportunity to serve. Oh, but, but I don't have a lot of money. Like, I can't do that. And Maybe right now, just in your life, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, right? And you're going, oh, but I'm, I'm at home with my kids. And, and so you can look at it as a negative thing, but I would say, but you're home six nights a week, which is great. So maybe right now in the season you're in, it's not about who you are, but it's about who you're going to raise. And so we've got to recognize that God is doing significant things with, with, our, with the little things that, we're, we're, that we have that he gives to us. And so start working with what we have. And the second thing that I want to touch on is then we trust him with what we need, for what we need. And in verse 3, it continues, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. And so here's, here's the deal, right? She's like, okay, you know, Eli- Elisha gives her some direction, some instruction. And so she had a little bit of oil, right? And he's going, hey, go borrow some empty jars. Borrow some additional containers from all of your friends. It continues in verse 5. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. So the thing that's interesting, there is a lot of depth to this passage and what's going on and what the Lord is doing. So as long as there were empty jars, the oil kept flowing, right? That's so significant. And and then in verse 7, it continues. So when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. And so, right, this is amazing. This is incredible. It's miraculous what takes place. So she offered what little bit she had. She's like, well, I don't really have anything except I have this. And and so she, she began to pour the olive oil into the containers. 
right? And it doesn't tell us how many containers, but there's so many that her two sons, she sent them out to all the neighbors, you know, and instead of asking for eggs or butter because she didn't have it, she's like, the, 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 the sons asked for containers. I need your empty containers. So who knows how many they're bringing, but it's probably a lot. I mean, so, so they're, they're filling it up, and, and God gives her all that she needs in that miracle and what she experienced. And so when I read this passage of Scripture, I can only imagine what she's thinking, right? What is she feeling? Can, can you just put, her, put yourself in her place where the, the man of God says, take your, your little bit of, of olive oil, and I want you to pour it into the container, I mean, right? Put yourself in that place. Can you, can you imagine what you would think, you know, before the first drop comes out? I know for me, I would go, what am I doing? Are you kidding me? This is all I've got, and you want me to pour it into this? Like, are, you're serious. What happens if it doesn't work? Like, then it's all spoiled and done and gone. And so then, of course, right, she realizes the miracle, uh, that God is doing before her very eyes, this little bit begins to multiply right in front of her. So the oil is supernaturally, you know, multiplying. And <laughs> like any of us would do, bring more jars, bring more containers, bring the empty Tupperware, bring me the trash can. I don't care. Bring more jars. This is amazing. <laughs> like, do you see what's happening? Can you imagine the excitement? They're at desperation, and then all the excitement happens. And but I love just the aspect of. They used empty jars, right? When you think about what is it that they used, what type of containers, it didn't matter. It didn't matter the size. It didn't matter what it was made of. The only prerequisite that Elisha gave was that it would be empty. That's the type of containers that the miracle took place in. And there's another passage of scripture that shows us our role in this, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And so we are fragile clay jars where if I drop this on the ground, it would break into a thousand pieces. You know, we're fragile clay containers where a little bit scarred, a little bit marred, maybe a chip out here or there, that type thing, but God is looking for empty containers. And so you and I, we literally have to empty ourselves. We have to get rid of pride. We have to get rid of jealousy and envy of others. We have to get rid of the habitual sins that we continue to, to allow ourselves to be entrapped by. I mean, we have to, to take the fear and the worry and, and to get rid of it because those things are what's filling up the empty jar of our life and our soul. And so Jesus said, that, you know, we've got to die to ourself. 
And that's exactly what he's talking about, where we die, where we, where we spill out, where we're empty. And then what happens? We begin to get filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And in Scripture, there's, a couple, there's several examples of, of what symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So you have water, you have fire, you have wind, and you have oil. And so the oil of the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And so when we get rid of the things that we thought we wanted, the things that we thought we needed, and realize that God, Jesus, is truly all that we need, He's more than enough. Like he's able to fill the container all the way to the top. And so if you and I are that container, there's no more that we would need because he fills us up. And I'm fully aware that some of you, you came into this service and you're empty. You're, you're empty because you're overwhelmed. You're stressed. Like you just can't take anymore. There's nothing. And so I just want to communicate like very clearly that we empty ourselves of all those things and all that stuff and we bring ourselves to the Lord all those problems all those things and he's the one that meets us in that place and it's amazing and he does something supernatural and so I would say very boldly God is going to give you what you need he will do that and when he does let me give you some advice bring another empty jar because he'll fill up the jar he'll fill you up and the oil stops flowing when the jars and the containers are all full so i would just say bring another empty jar like where we continue to pour out ourselves we spill ourselves out and then you keep bringing more empty jars because the oil keeps flowing as we continue to do that and that's amazing. It's incredible what the Lord does in our life. And I absolutely believe that God is doing something significant for you right now in this time. Some of you needed this message. And it absolutely is for you where we can have hope and trust in the Lord and what he's doing. Though sometimes we don't see it, and, but he's there and he's acting and he's moving. It's so significant. And I know there's probably several of you where you, you feel like full of the Lord and you're going, I got to empty myself again because you want more. You're going, I want another empty jar and just, just out of desire and, and want for the Lord. And so that's amazing and God continues to do that in our life. But there also is a possibility that some of you are here and you are empty completely of the Lord and, and you don't have a connection with Jesus. Like I've been talking about Jesus, I've been talking about this connection with the Lord and you know that you don't have it. And so you know right now that you need to, that your life needs to turn around, that things need to change. And so for us here at Grace Church, like we believe that Jesus is God's son, that he laid his life down, that he died on the cross so that we could be restored, so that we could be saved uh, from ourselves and who we are, from our sin and the things that we deal with in our battle, where literally it says that our old life is gone and new life comes for us. And so... The jar is then emptied, and Jesus is the one that fills up our life. That's the way it works, and it's real, and it's true. And so if everybody here in the auditorium, if you would be willing to bow your head and close your eyes, because right there in that moment, I just described some of you, and you know it, and I know it, but I've asked everybody to, to bow their head and close their eyes because I don't want you to be intimidated about what somebody else might be thinking. 
because you know that you need to respond. And so the way we do it here is we would just ask that you would raise your hand uh, just a, as a sign to say, God, I know I need you. Jesus, I, I need you in my life. I want to commit my life to you. And so maybe you have done that before. Maybe you know I need to do that. And so if you could just do me a favor, just go ahead and slip your hand up. You know, yeah, I see your hand right over here. Anybody just go ahead and slip it up. Say you, maybe you need to make a, a recommitment to the Lord, a re-up with him. Yeah, thank you so much. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And, and there's not, I, if, if you want to pray along with me or pray the words with me, repeat after me, that would be awesome. It's, there, there's not anything special in the words that I'm going to pick. It just is an opportunity for us to reveal our heart to the Lord and who he is and what he's doing in you right now. And so let's pray. Maybe you say something like this. Just say, God, I know I need you. I'm desperate for you. I'm tired of living the way that I have, and I want to leave that behind. Jesus, I know who you are. Thank you for laying your life down for me. Would you please forgive me for all the things that I've ever done? I want to follow after you. Would you give me a fresh start and a new beginning that my life would be changed? Would you come in and be my savior? I commit to follow after you passionately. And Father, I also want to pray for the, the number of people that came in empty because of being overwhelmed, like not, being, not having any, any space, any room for anything else. Oh God, the stress, the, the pressure. Lord, I pray that in this, in this place of hurting, uh, that they would meet you see your face and experience you emptying ourselves even of our situation that that they would be able to experience you like never before lord i pray for just miraculous power uh, in despite the situation that it would turn around and that you would get the glory because of it and father i also pray for for those of us that that we just we just want more uh, we want more of you we're passionate for you we we love you so much and so, God, we spill ourselves out even more. We, we go and we get some more empty jars because we want to experience you. And so, Lord, even just in your power and your authority through your spirit, would you do something amazing in us, even stretching us beyond our limits, that we might do something for you, that you would get the glory, that you would be the light inside of us that eradicates darkness in our life, in our marriages, in our businesses, in our community, in our workplace, that your light would shine Jesus' name we pray. Amen.